This episode is brought to you in part by Wholehearted Love, a new book by Caleb and Stephanie Rouse. Overcome the barriers that hold you back in your relationships with God and with others and delight in feeling safe, seen, and loved with Wholehearted Love. For more information, go to Tyndale.com. You're listening to Episode 60, Let's Build Boundaries and Not Build Walls, of the In-Between Podcast, where you'll discover ideas to build a strong, connected, and joy-filled marriage and family. My name is Daniel M. And I'm Christina M. So we are back and at it with the boundaries and not the walls. Yes. Part de. Exactly. learning to love your in-laws. Uh-huh. So on episode 59, which was last week, we discussed what boundaries are, why they are important, and the first five steps in how to establish boundaries with our in-laws. So today is a continuation of the steps to being able to establish boundaries. And also we want to share with y'all how the Enneagram has been a crucial tool in helping us to continue to learn how to love our in-laws. Yeah. So as a quick refresher, the first five steps in creating boundaries with our in-laws are number one, identify the symptom. Number two, identify the conflict. Number three, identify the need that drives the conflict. Number four, practice our boundary setting skills. And number five, say no to the bad. So if you have not actually listened to episode 59, we're going to recommend that you press pause on this episode and go back to that one. By listening to episode 59, it will give you a better idea and framework of what we're going to be discussing next. So you can find more information on the show notes at inbetween.org slash episode 59. All right, so let's jump back into it. Step number six, the next step in establishing boundaries with our in-laws is forgiving them, forgiving your in-laws. Ugh, I know what y'all are thinking. Like, why would you have to bring up forgiveness, right? Like, you totally <laughs> tricked me. Are we not the ones that should be apologized to? Mm. Like, have our in-laws not caused us enough tears and frustration and grief? Why do we need to be the ones that forgive them? They need to be the ones that are apologizing to us. <laughs> well, as we talked about last week, every conflict, there's always two sides to it. Yep. And actually refusing to forgive your in-laws may be one of the main reasons you feel stuck and unable to separate yourself from their thoughts, opinions, and judgments of you. Whoa. Right. So we talked about this, right? I mean, mm -hmm. even with your relationship with my parents, there's never been a moment where they did not love you. Right. There's never been a moment. They might not have expressed that to you. Right. And I right? may not have understood that in the way that they are trying to express it to me. Yeah. But every time you decided to pull away and set up a wall and I have the same experience. I mean, I don't know when it was. It was when we were dating or mm -hmm. when we were engaged. And and it was with your parents. I don't Maybe I was eating too much food at your house. And I think, do you remember this? <laughs> yes, yeah. I remember. I, I, I eat a lot of food. <laughs> I love food. We were engaged, right? Uh, yes, we were yeah, engaged. So maybe I was eating. I was spending too much time at your house. I think and that's not really what it house. was. Yeah. yeah, and I was eating too much food or something like that. Well, I think it was more like their polite say way of saying like you need to study too. Like we're still in college here. <laughs> yeah. Yet your mom said that she didn't say that to me. She said mm -hmm. that to you, and I don't know how it came up, but I heard it, or you said it, or so somehow I heard it. Right. And I was like, oh, they hate me. <laughs> 
how can I eat? If, if, if I'm not eating too much food, I will buy them food, right? I was like, I, I can't change the yeah. size of my stomach. Yeah. What do you want me to do? I know. You are offering steak. You cook really well. I need to eat. You always have Chinese leftovers in here. Yes, your- of course I want to eat all of it. Right. But honestly, yeah, I mean, it's not like your parents ever did not like me or did not love me in that oh, way. Oh, goodness. Sometimes I wonder if they love you more. <laughs> Right. Yet, when I heard that, my immediate reaction was I wanted to stonewall. Mm. I wanted, and I, and I started going off on the narratives, my own narratives as to why they would say that, and what did I do, and what should I do, and yeah. I, and you just kind of live in a dangerous spot when you dwell in unforgiveness, and you have no one speaking reason into you. Yeah, mm-hmm. and you don't forgive them. Yet, in step number six, being forgiving your in-laws, when you choose to forgive. Now, when you choose to forgive, you can't dictate how they will respond. Right. That's the hard part. But you're, but you're not in control of that. Mm-hmm. What you are in control of is whether or not you can forgive them. Because if you choose to live in unforgiveness, that's probably why you want to build the wall and why you feel stuck and stonewalled. Well, and in reality, when you refuse to forgive someone, you still want something from that person. Yeah. yeah. Even if you want revenge, Mm. right? Or you just want to hear an apology from them for once, for just once. I wish they would say sorry to me. Not forgiving them will keep you tied to your in-laws forever. Wow. So when you think about this, right? I mean, nothing clarifies boundaries more than forgiveness. Mm Mm-hmm. It's so much better and healthier to receive grace from God and forgive your in-laws because perhaps that might actually be the end and, and, and it might actually bring you to, to the end of your suffering and your frustration with them. Right. So to forgive your in-laws means to let them off the hook or to cancel a debt that they owe you or at least to cancel a debt that you feel like they owe you. So the truth of the matter is, if you do not forgive your in-laws, you are demanding something of them that they might not actually be choosing to give you. They might not even know that's what you want from them, right? Exactly. So this unforgiveness ties you to them and ruins boundaries. If you forgive them, you are cutting those ties loose. And in the end, you are the ones who are going to be free. Hmm. And freedom is awesome (laughs) especially when you're dwelling in the bitterness of unforgiveness Mm -hmm. i mean there's nothing as toxic as that so if you've listened to our very first episode about how to not hate your in-laws which is episode three y'all may understand why i've had some relational issues with my in-laws And I have worked really, 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 really hard. I've gone to counseling. I've brought my hurts to God over and over again. All of that hard work and really laying it before God, I can truly say that I have forgiven my in-laws. But if I'm completely honest, Daniel, I feel as though I really need to watch myself. I'm hyper aware of how I interpret what they say or do because it's really easy for me to interpret what they're saying as, oh, they're actually really trying to say I'm not good enough. Or my favorite feeling, you will never be good enough for my son. I know that's not what they're meaning to communicate. And that's probably not even what they're thinking, not no, even not remotely, at right? No, not at all. But I know myself well enough. If I'm trying to self-preserve and protect myself from getting potentially hurt, this is where my thoughts always go. Wow. 
So step six in establishing boundaries with our in-laws is to forgive them. Step seven, Christina, is what? Well, when you become aware of how you feel, it will actually help you direct in how you respond. So instead of just reacting out of your feelings of hurt, rejection, and judgment, you're able to be present with your feelings and that's directing you instead of making you react. Yeah, yeah. So what does that practically look like? So when you react to something that someone says or does, that is showing that you probably have a boundary issue. If someone is able to cause that much angst and havoc by doing or saying something, they are actually in control of you and your boundaries are lost. You're not in control anymore. Okay, that's, that's a really good explanation. So I think for all of us, we can think of opportunities, or not opportunities, but moments when this has happened. Right. Right, where our emotions got the better of us because we didn't choose to respond in a particular way. We were reacting to what the other person was doing, right? And when we do that, what we are essentially doing is actually giving them control over ourselves and our emotions because basically we have relinquished it to them. Yeah, we've basically handed it on a silver platter to them. (laughs) So contrast that to responding. So when we respond, we are the ones who remain in control with options and choices. So we decide what we say and don't say. We are in the driver's seat, not our in-laws and not our emotions. Man, that sounds a lot easier than I think it actually is. Mm -hmm. I would agree with that. Because when you're reacting, you're kind of passive, right? You're kind of allowing the situation or other people to control or affect you. Or I in think that of way. it even as like a volcano. Yeah. It's like a volcano eruption. You're yeah. not in control at all. It's spewing everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. They put the vinegar in and they put the baking soda <laughs> in. They put it all in. You were just the vessel. <laughs> yeah. Right. They did it all. Right. That's the reaction. Yet responding is saying, hey, you can put as much vinegar as you want in here, but I control the baking soda. Oh, I like that example. So when you think about it like that, in in response, when you respond, yes, and, and here's the thing, right? You, you choosing to respond rather than react, you're not in control of everything, mm-hmm. right? They can still put in as much vinegar as they want because you are not 100% in control of the situation. I don't, you can never be, right? right. Because... Who has complete control over their emotions? I mean, a robot. Well, they don't have emotions. But I mean, when you think about it, I mean, there's there's no way, right? There's right. no way. No way. So when you think about it like that, when you respond, you're saying, hey, I hold the baking soda. I'm going to remain in control. It's going to be really hard, mm-hmm. but I'm not relinquishing everything to you. I'm going to remain in the driver's seat and I'm not going to hand you the keys You're going to have a say, I get that, and you're going to be a part of my life and my spouse's life and our children's lives. And and that is, and if they aren't right now, I mean, you know, I pray that God opens up the doors for that to happen and for those doors to begin opening so that you experience and that there can be restoration and reconciliation and right relationships with one another, Mm -hmm. right? But after forgiving them, it really does require four boundary setting for you to learn how to respond rather than react. If you feel like you're about to chuck a whole Costco-sized baking soda (laughs) (laughs) package into the vinegar, step away. Yes. Take a breather and regain control of yourself. 
So when you have kept your boundaries, you are choosing the best option. You're not allowing things to happen to you. So it really comes down to a choice, right? When you react, Mm -hmm. they are choosing, they are in control. And versus when you respond, you are the one that is choosing and is in control. So that's number seven. The eighth step to setting a boundary is learning to love in freedom and responsibility rather than in guilt. That's such a good one, right? And I also feel like this is something that's easier said than done. But the best boundaries that we can set are loving ones. Yeah. I mean, that's a that's such a better way to end than last podcast, <laughs> than the way we ended the last one, right? Exactly. Push everyone away. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Just say no. <laughs> Forever. Goodbye. No. I've cut you out. I've so- <laughs> silenced you. I've defriended you. <laughs> defriended. Yeah, I want to yes. see less of this. <laughs> so, so Christina, what does a loving boundary look like with your in-laws in particular? Well, I think as we were joking about that the reason why we set boundaries are not to stop loving people, are not meant to stop loving our in-laws. It might mean that we need some space until we learn how to set proper boundaries. But the end result is hopefully that we are going to have a loving and respectful relationship. Mm. So it means that we can all actually gain freedom to live and to respect and to be together. Yeah. So let's go back to the candy example, right? And if you haven't listened to the last episode, you're probably like, what? Step six? What about number one? Right. So, (laughs) you know, once again, go back. But last episode, we talked about this example that one of our listeners left us. This idea. And and the example was that the grandparents gave too much candy to the kids (laughs) when they were watching them. And we don't know the entire situation around you know what that happened but it but it took the parents a few months to wean the kids off the sugar right so the we we've been using this example all the way through this idea of okay how do i then approach my in-laws about the idea of candy and saying hey these are you can't like you can't give candy to our kids right so when you run through the whole eight steps the the big thing was hey identify that that is why you are upset with your parents mm-hmm. right we talked about this idea of starting with the i you know starting with that symptom and then identifying number 2 the conflict of when that started oh it was this time when my in-laws did us a favor by watching the kids for 3 days so that we could go on vacation or mm-hmm. go over there Wait, should I really be that upset? I mean, they they watched our kids for multiple days. Yeah, they sacrifice sleep and <laughs> yes. their own schedules to be able to take care of our kids. Yeah, so you've identified the symptom, the conflict. Hopefully, in identifying both of those, you've grown in empathy. Right. Right. You've you've placed yourself in their shoes. You you might have, and that's a helpful thing to do throughout any of these eight steps mm-hmm. to place yourself in their shoes and say, okay, if I was a grandparent, what would I do? And how would I respond if I, as the kid, if my kid responded in the way that I'm about to, to them? The wait is over. Find out what happens in the thrilling conclusion of the 12th Dead Sea Squirrels book, Babylon Breakout. Hi, I'm Mike Naraki, co-creator of VeggieTales, voice of Larry the Cucumber, and author of The Dead Sea Squirrels. Get ready for more daring rescues and hilarious jokes as Merle and Pearl and their animal friends embark on a ridiculous mission to bust the kidnapped Gomez family out of Babylon, a Bible-themed amusement park with talking animals. 
Young readers will love the nutty misadventures of 10-year-old Michael and his friends and will learn all about biblical life lessons such as forgiveness and friendship. Read all 12 Dead Sea Squirrels books. Available wherever books are sold. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, that goes a far way in handling and dealing with conflict. And then you identify the need that drives the conflict. Like, okay, Christina, you gave that example for yourself with my parents in terms of you seeking approval, mm-hmm. not experiencing approval. Uh, actually, not not even that you asked them for approval, but you were always approved of mm-hmm. from your parents, from your family, right. from your side. Even in school, I mean, you were... You were so popular and well received. I mean, there was no one who didn't like Christina, right? It was one of those. I mean, you were. I mean, that's that's really. I mean, I don't know anyone who can't love you, right? Especially with that love, love of yours, right? But the idea in the whole candy example is, what is that need that's driving that conflict? Maybe your parents, maybe they're just trying to earn the kids' love, mm-hmm. their grandkids' love, and the grandkids are asking for their. We're asking for the parents. And we're actually really sad. Right. Yeah. So the grandparents were like, oh, well, here's some candy because they didn't know how to deal with it. Be happy. Or maybe even in our example where the grandparents live really far away. And so they get to see the grandkids once or twice a year. And they want to be able to lavish their love on them through saying a lot more yes than no's. Yeah. So maybe that's what it was. And, And there's actually a need that the in-laws have mm-hmm. that is causing this candy situation to happen. So if that's the case, I mean, that's huge. Just those three steps. And then step four is practicing boundary setting skills and then saying no to the bad was the fifth one. Right. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you forgive them because you've recognized and come to the place where you realize, Hey, they're not trying to be malevolent against you. They don't have <laughs> right. this secret agenda to take <laughs> you down and cause you to anger. Give all your kids cavities. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And then from there, you choose to respond in future situations, then react. And then it comes back to our last point, which is learning to love in freedom and responsibility and setting loving boundaries. So perhaps, right, in this entire summary, perhaps Mm -hmm. going right back to that candy example, it's going to your in-laws and saying, I love the fact that you have given up your time and that you've chosen to spend time with the kids Mm -hmm. because I know that not every in-law wants to do that. Yes. And you have given up and you have sacrificed. And I just want to say how much I love you and how the kids feel so loved by you. Mm -hmm. Right. And I, and I love that. However, I just want to share with you that usually what happens right after you go home and and maybe you realize this when you were here as well but at least for us after you know when the when the kids have candy too late this is how they react they don't sleep no they don't sleep well and <laughs> right. and you know maybe you don't see the effects after a couple of days but it affects their homework it affects their temper their it affects school, all of yes yeah, school all of it, and, right. and i just want to i just want to say how much i love the fact that you have helped but could we possibly could you possibly give them candy before dinner mm-hmm. if you if you want to? Yes, between right? the you, the times of two and five, yeah. go to town. <laughs> yeah, and and think about it. If you approach it in that way, and honestly, the only way that you can actually come with this, you know, I, I, hopefully you heard the the sincerity in my voice, right? right? In my allergy ridden nasally <laughs> voice right now, right? But hopefully, but the only way that you could actually say that mm-hmm. is if you went through the previous steps, you empathized. You forgave, 
you identified why. Otherwise, you would never get to that. No. It would be so hard to lovingly set a boundary. Exactly. Because you're probably spending more time pointing fingers at them Mm. versus asking yourself, okay, why is this actually really bothering me? So in the end, boundaries are set to be able to have freedom and responsibility, not guilt. And it's also important to know that it's good to sacrifice and deny yourself for the sake of others. That's what God asks us to do as well. God is asking us to do that towards our in-laws too. But we need those healthy boundaries in place to make that choice. It's not done out of guilt. It's not done because we're forced to do this. It's because we understand what it means to love others, to serve others, to sacrifice others, but really understanding that ultimately our needs are met through Christ. Yeah. So let's let's tell you a story about something that, that recently happened when my parents visited us. So Christina and I, we were invited to go speak at a marriage conference mm-hmm. out in Orlando. And and we were like, it was such a great opportunity. And we just felt so honored and blessed by it. And, right. But we were like, what are we going to do with the kids? <laughs> they can't come. <laughs> yeah. So my parents were uh, very gracious in that they sacrificed two weeks to come out and, and watch the kids for the five days that we were gone. Mm-hmm. And, and I know the kids had a blast with them. But when we got home, when we came back home, there was a particular dinner, which honestly, Christina, if you if you hadn't broken down that wall and instead chosen to positively set boundaries, if you hadn't responded and you just instead of reacted mm-hmm. to what happened a few Christmases ago and and you didn't come to Vancouver then and and then you never came and you didn't come this past and I Christmas never and gave them yeah, anything. And, right. and if that was the case and you chose to ignore all of this wisdom and this advice around boundaries this moment never would have happened or it would have happened in a way that our kids would see it and be like I never want this kind of relationship yeah so it was dinner right we were sitting around we were eating at at the dinner table with my parents Mm -hmm. and all the kids and then Adeline I don't know even why she or how she came up with the question, but she posed a question to all of us. Right. She said, can we go around the table and talk about one thing that we like about the person? And so we're like, okay. And I wanted to caveat that always. We're always talking about outer and inner. So she was talking about like maybe about your hair or if you like their outfit. I said, yeah, that's great. Can we also mention some of the inner character stuff that we don't necessarily see outwardly? So we're like, okay. So we started with Victoria and everybody went around the table and said what they really loved and appreciated about her. You could tell like all the kids faces and countenance changed we'd really do recommend that you do this oh, to was, your kids yeah. and to your whole family we it wish is. it was our idea and we could take credit for it but <laughs> exactly. it wasn't <laughs> so we went around started with all the kids i mean they all loved it i mm-hmm. mean you could see how their eyes were lighting lighting up with all the attention and the affirmation and then it my came, heart yeah. starts to beat. <laughs> yeah, because then it's the adult's turn. Yes. Right? And so it's, we came to... It's my mom. It was my mom first. Yeah, it came to your mom and then it was your dad. <laughs> so the kids are all saying things that they love about their grandma and all of that. And all I can think of is I feel my face getting really hot. My heart is racing and I think I'm about to cry. 
because I was like, what am I going to say? I have so much to say, and yet I have nothing to say at the same time. And so I just started complimenting her and looking her in the eyes and just affirming all the ways that she is an amazing person. Mm. She really, truly is. Mm -hmm. Both my in-laws are. And the ways that I've realized that she has continued to try to love and support us. Whereas before I may have misinterpreted it as she's judging me. No, she's actually really trying to love me. Yeah. I mean, so for example, times earlier on in our marriage when they would come and help out in the home or they would, my mom would come and clean or, or do this or that. I mean, it was easy for you to interpret it as that you weren't good enough right. or you didn't care enough or you didn't do enough. Right. Whereas in reality, that's not what my mom thinks. It was her just trying to serve and her just trying to express love and show love and care and concern for us and for her kids. Right. I mean, she raised four kids. So yeah. she totally understands that lots of times you don't have time to clean the ducts. Yeah. <laughs> and so they came and did that for us and looking back and be like, wow, that's amazing that they would think to do that, first of all. And second of all, that they took the time to love on us so that we wouldn't have to pay someone to do that. Yeah, it was it was such a beautiful moment, not only to see my parents say to each other mm-hmm. uh, what they appreciate. And, and for those of you who are listening in, I mean, Korean culture it's you, it's not very I mean, maybe in the, the Korean dramas, you see a lot of emotion. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but most Korean families are pretty stoic and there's just not a lot of emotion or sharing of emotions. Right. They keep their cards to on. themselves. Yeah. So to see my parents share what they loved and appreciated about each other was really special for me to see because I hadn't heard them say that to each other before. Mm-hmm. And but to hear them say that to Christina, I mean, I've heard them say how much they love me and appreciate me and all that stuff because right. they're my parents. But just to see that happen to Christina and to see the way that Christina was responding to my parents and to see how red your face got oh, yeah. and <gasps> how red my mom's face yes, got and how my up. dad wasn't even looking at you. Like it was just <laughs> like, you know, it was, it was so beautiful because I think it, it just, it was such a stark and clear picture of what happens when you persevere, right? We started in episode three talking about how to not hate your in-laws. And honestly, that's how it was for us. It really for was many a, year. a matter of how just do you do you not hate, not a matter of loving, how do you mm-hmm. just not hate them? And we can sincerely say, you know, our hope is that you would get to the point with your in-laws that you truly, truly love them. Right. And we know it's possible. It doesn't always take, you know, a year or it, it might not even happen in the next five years. But we do hope that through setting boundaries, and that's why we spent this last these last two episodes talking about them, through setting these boundaries, you will get to the place where you can then love your in-laws. And talking about the last step where we're learning to love and freedom and not in guilt, it'd be a completely different story if we sat around the dinner table and I felt compelled to say, quote unquote, nice things about my in-laws out of guilt. And out of like, I don't want to say anything. I want to skip my turn, but my kids are watching me. My husband's watching me. And you're not Southern enough to pull it off. No, no, not at all. (laughs) Not at all. Neither am I. You know, you kind of see what you get with me. (laughs) I'd be like, pass. (laughs) Fiery Christina. That's right. Not a pretty sight to come out with. 
when you're trying to, you know, build no, camaraderie here. No, Christina can be very aggressive at times. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. Thanks to my Enneagram 3 number. Yes. yes. <laughs> so, like Daniel said, we know it's hard work. We really do. We've been working at this for more than a decade. Yeah. But this work, y'all, the work of setting boundaries, communicating, listening, forgiving, this work will truly change y'all's lives. Yeah. And this is not just about in-laws, right? I mean, that's our hope and our prayer that this will help you learn how to love your in-laws. But honestly, this is a life skill that's going to help you at work. That's going to help you with your friends. Mm -hmm. That's going to help you with all the demands that come in life. Being a soccer mom, being a hockey dad, being whatever. I mean, it's, it's any responsibilities that you have. Learning these eight steps are going to be crucial, just a crucial life skill in general. Yes. And one day, if your kids get married, you are going to be the in-law. <laughs> so imagine yeah. if you know these eight steps about creating boundaries, listening, communicating, all of that. Imagine what type of relationship you could have with your daughter or son-in-law. Yeah. So at the top of the episode, we mentioned how the Enneagram has been a crucial tool in helping us continue to learn how to love our Mm in-laws. And if you haven't listened to episode 51, that was our interview with Drew Mosier, where we gave a great, great introduction to the Enneagram. And this has really been a tool that that we've incorporated into our lives with our in-laws that we've actually tried to identify what are my what my parents right. Enneagram numbers and what your parents yep. Enneagram numbers are and and just it's fascinating to think through that and to see how that affects the way that we relate with them as well. I'm excited because we're also actually about to embark on some Enneagram focused marriage counseling for ourselves. Yeah. Which we are really excited about and we will definitely let you know how it goes. So if you have listened to more than one episode of our podcast, you will know that we highly, highly recommend counseling, not just when you're in a quote unquote unhealthy state, but in a healthy state as well. So counseling is what also helped heal our relationship with our in-laws. So we cannot say enough about getting good counseling. Yeah, yeah, totally. So I mentioned it in the previous episode, how the Enneagram really helped me understand why I felt like I couldn't be myself around my in-laws and why I felt like I wanted to work so hard to gain their approval. That's when we both realized why understanding our core motivations can help relationships around us. Yeah. By knowing and understanding our core motivations, which is what the Enneagram helps us discover. Mm -hmm. Uh, The Enneagram is not the be all end all. No, (laughs) no. no. It's like a personality typing system as well. It's helpful. Yes. But it does look at your core motivations as one of its key factors. Yeah, definitely. So it's a helpful tool. It's a tool. That's all it is. But by knowing and understanding our core motivations and, and then knowing and understanding our family's core motivations, it's really brought a deeper understanding and really even an ability to move toward grace through one another. Yes. And to show grace to one another as well. Yeah, so we're going to link tests to the Enneagram in our show notes and and link back to all the other episodes and and resources that we have on the Enneagram and on the in-laws. Just go to inbetween.org slash episode 60. Once again, that's inbetween.org slash episode 60. 
We so appreciate that you've tuned in to this two-part series on how to love your in-laws. Really our third episode on the whole in-law journey. Mm-hmm. And if there's a friend that you have or someone that you know who who would really benefit from these episodes about in-laws, we would be so honored if you would share these episodes with them. Right. We're going to actually even say that if your spouse has not listened to these episodes yet, maybe gently tap them on the shoulder, not in a passive-aggressive way, but be like, hey, I've been listening to these episodes about in-laws. I'd love for you if you could listen to them as well. And then let's start that discussion about what building boundaries looks like for our relationships. Yeah, so that's super easy to do if you're listening on a podcast app. Most podcasting apps have a share button. So you could just share the episode, copy the link, text it to them, email it to them, Mm -hmm. or you can just send them to inbetween.org slash episode and whatever the episode number is for whichever episode you want to share with them, right? So so episode three, episode 59, episode 60, and that'll be the link and we'll take them right to our site. So next week, Christina, we're not doing a part three, although... If y'all want a part three, let us know. Yeah, if you have more questions. <laughs> yeah, no, we, we would love to. We would yeah. love to help y'all have healthier relationships with your in-laws. Yeah, completely. But next week, man, you are in for a fascinating interview. Mm-hmm. We had the opportunity to interview Dave and Ann Wilson about what to do when you think you've married the wrong person. Yep. <laughs> I mean, they drop a bomb. Yes. It is a fascinating interview. They're a great couple. So be sure to subscribe if you haven't yet done so. And we will catch you guys next week. This episode was brought to you in part by the Enneagram and Marriage Podcast, an outreach dedicated to bringing joy, strength, intimacy, and purpose to couples seeking growth. Be sure to visit enneagramandmarriage.com to find your chemistry together again, or for the very first time.